The world is old and the powers are weary. The god at the door of night has fallen and the great enemy of the world has come back from the timeless void. The shadow has awakened the great evils to regain dominion over Ardar. Darkness shall cover the land if not for the deeds of a small fellowship of elf friends. Join the players of this Dungeons and Dragons campaign as they fulfill the events of the Dagor Daggeron prophecy and strive with Morgoth on the plains of Valinor. Welcome to the Undying Lands in Part 3 of the Inglorian Bastards Trilogy, Trials of the Valar. So welcome everybody to episode 112 of the Inglorian Bastards campaign slash podcast. Um, with me today, I have two uh, friends of the podcast, um, two people that I've been talking with over the last couple of months who have have told me in various formats that they've enjoyed the podcast. So I'm, I'm interested to learn more from them. Um, and um, they have brought some questions for me um, so that after I'm done grilling them, they can grill me. Um, so uh, I, I'd like to welcome Liam and B to the podcast. Thanks. Glad to be here. Thank you. Great. Well, um, let's have let's have Liam go first. If you could just tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, we know your name already, but where are you from, at least approximately, <laughs> and um, your your um, experience with Tolkien and Dungeons and Dragons? Of course, of course. Okay. So um, I live in Arizona currently. I'm from Illinois originally. Uh, I guess I'd start with Tolkien because. That's because I've been reading his stuff longer than I've been playing D anD. d So I um, the first Tolkien book I read was The Children of Huron. Ah, oh, good choice. <laughs> and that was mostly just because it was on my mother's bookshelf, mm-hmm. and the, the cover is pretty cool looking. So I read that, and then I got The Hobbit for Valentine's Day shortly after that, and then I read Lord of the Rings. Um, it's kind of the vague history. Um, I've read a lot of his other stuff, of course, too. Um, as far as Dungeons and Dragons goes, um, I started playing fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons in 2018, but I uh, started playing tabletop role playing games in, I think it was 2013 with uh, Star Wars Edge of the Empire, actually. So. Oh, very good. Yeah. So, but I like to play DD. I don't get the opportunity very often. So, that's me, I guess. Well, uh, well, Liam, I, it's, you have a you have an interesting sort of order of read uh, through 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 the Tolkien the Tolkien universe. Um, you know, a lot of times people will come first to the Hobbit, then to the Lord of the Rings, or or actually a lot of the younger uh, people that I've talked to have started with the movies and, and kind of you know some of them move on to the Silmarillion, some of them don't. Now I know you are. Um, you pride yourself on being a philologist, uh, right? Or, or, or an aspiring philologist. Um, so my guess is you have read the Silmarillion. Is that true? Uh, yeah, that's correct. All right, all right. Um, and um, you know, speaking of the children of Hurin, um, I, I absolutely love that. That was that was sort of my that. Um, in the Silmarillion, the story of Turin was my my favorite part. Um, but as far as sort of the extra. Um, uh, um, the longer stories that, that Christopher had just recently published, um, The Children of Hurin, The Fall of Gondolin, uh, Baron and Luthien. Um, it's, the Children of Hurin are my favorite of those three, um, just based on the way they chose to put it together. 
Um, it seems to me that the fall of Gondolin and um, Baron and Luthien, though near and dear to my heart, um, he used kind of a different form. It seemed that he's like a different format when he was putting them together using um, some original names that, that um, J.R.R. Had, had used in some of the early, earlier versions of the story. Uh, have you got a chance to read either the fall of Gondolin or Baron and Luthien? Um, of sorts. I haven't sat down and read through the entire thing, you know, word by word, but I have um, been able to study them a little bit. And I, I agree, they're a little bit uh, more fragmentary, like uh, history mowers is probably a good comparison. Yeah. Um, and so I really, I really do enjoy Baron Luthien and how you get the different versions of the story. Um, it's interesting to see, um, for example, where like Sauron comes from and <laughs> originally how he was a where that character evolved from was the, the Lord of cats or the Prince of cats. Mm. So, uh, it's just, it's just hard for me who I, you know, I love these stories and I have a particular sort of angle in my head or of like who is named what. And, and when, when I have to like continually remind myself, okay, who is this again? <laughs> like, I'll go, let me flip to the front of the book and find out which, okay. Okay. Now I've got it. It's just, yeah. it's just a little harder for me. Um, well, let's, let's go on to, to B. Uh, B, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, sure. sure. Um, I'm from Norway. Uh, I first got into Lord of the Rings when I found a VHS tape of the 1970-something animated version of the movie <laughs> at the library when I was a kid. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, what did you, what did, what did you think of that? Well, I loved it. Yeah. You know, the first time I saw it, I'm like, oh my God, I love this. I have to read the book. Like, I was probably about 11 years old at that time. Um, and that was around the time, actually it was a little bit before the posters for the, the Lord of the Rings movies were starting to show up. Ah. So, uh, the Fellowship of the Ring. So I went and I borrowed the book from one of my classmates in Norwegian, translated, and I devoured it. Went on to reading like in English later on after the movies. Um, I've also read The Hobbit. You know, Silmarillion is my favorite. Ah, uh, yes. I have a particular love for the Sons of Feanor. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I have the Histories of Middle-Earth. My husband gives me a new edition almost every year. <laughs> That's awesome. He, <laughs> I'm he, a hard he knows you well. He knows me very well. As for D&D, I got into D&D when uh, the proprietor at a local fantasy bookstore um, introduced me to the phenomenon when I was about 15 years old. And then I played at least one campaign uh, every week, so one session every week at least, for about three, four years. And then I moved to the U.S. to study, and then I didn't have time anymore or a group to play with. So, ah. well, I'm, a, I'm a little jealous of you playing for every weekend for three years. <laughs> well, I mean, I was a kid, you know. I, yeah, yeah. I didn't have to study either because everything came to me very easily. So uh, at least then university was totally different, but uh, yeah. 
Well, you um, you mentioned your your love of um, you know uh, Mithras and Maglor um, and that family. Um, oh yeah. Uh, so you, you this will air this podcast episode will air in a really good place um, uh, in terms of their story. Um, so we we've already experienced um, bits and pieces of uh, the 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 Mithras um, uh, Silmaril and. Um, Coming up here very soon, we're going to, uh, the, the characters, I should say, will will be undertaking the trial of Olmo, and we'll be looking for uh, both Maglor and the Silmaril of Maglor. Um, and and we, we know from our reading that Maglor is still probably wandering around somewhere, um, you know, uh, having been burned by the Silmaril, and um, who knows what he's doing. But um, I, yeah. I, I try to provide that answer in the in the. Um, in the podcast. So, well, let's see here. So we, uh, the next question I have for you is, is really about how you found the podcast. Um, uh, sort of what were you looking for at the time when you stumbled across it? Um, because each of you, I, I believe, um, probably came about the podcast in a different way. Um, we'll, we'll go back to, to Liam for this. Um, yeah, so I was actually, well, this wasn't even that long ago. It was like, I don't even think it was two months ago, but, um, I was on reallevels.net <laughs> yeah, yeah. looking for names. And what, um, what, so what were you looking for names for? Were you, a story you're writing or, or just out of just interest? Um, so it was for Adventures uh, in the Earth characters, actually. Nice. Um, I had just gotten all the books from the Humble Bundle um, that they had offered. And so I was like, okay, I want my names to be, well, um, something that would fit in lore. As I mean, as close as I could get, because um, I don't know, my Elvish isn't really good at all. So it's probably better than mine. <laughs> so, so uh, just just so the listener sort of remembers, realelvish.net is uh, Fiona Jolling's website. And um, she has a ton of thing, ton of resources up there for people, especially uh, specifically for this, uh, to name characters for stories and for role playing. Um, um, and so I knew that you had you you were I thought you were connected with Fiona somehow, um, and and um, you know watching your comments um, on the YouTube channel, I, I can tell just how much you're you're into language. You, you, you say your your Elvish is not that good, but I, I I'm impressed by. Um, you, you, all of the comments that you left on there, I, I always have to look them up. Like, what is what is Liam saying now? <laughs> yeah, I, I um, language has always been interesting to me, so um, I feel like my knowledge is very fragmentary sometimes. But uh, I try to try to know as much as I can. I think that that's the real heart of any culture, even if it's a made up one in Middle Earth. So. Agreed. Well, B, what about you? Uh, actually, I was looking for the. Uh... Tolkien professor. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. So I went on Spotify and I was like, maybe, maybe his podcast is on here. I never found it. Um, but I found the interview that you did it with him. Um, and it really piqued my interest. I was like, oh my gosh, this is really cool. So this is like a D&D um, podcast. And my husband listens to Adventure Zone or whatever it's called. Oh yeah, my friends love Adventure Zone. Yeah, it's, it's a fun one. Uh, it's not quite my alley. It's more his alley. He's more of the uh, sci-fi type. Yeah. I'm strictly high fantasy for the most part. 
Well, well, um, well, I was talking with, uh, I, I mentioned to you sort of offline that um, I had a great interview with Ted Naismith, which will be airing soon uh, last night. And, um, and the way, the way I think I described it to him was, um, yeah, yeah, this is all about, you know, I have a story going in the podcast and that, you know, I do these interviews, but the, most of the podcast is like the story of these characters. And I said, you know, the, the, the interviews are really fun and good. The D and D is mediocre. <laughs> so that's <laughs> because, you know, we, we weren't planning to podcast this. This was, um, this was just a, a group of friends sort of sitting down and playing some D and D. Oh, but you guys are so much fun though. Listening to you guys, it's, it's amazing. But like you were talking to him about like this, uh, the avatar that you had created and like, talking like bouncing the ideas that you had for the story off of him and the story so far and of course i this was totally out of context for me i'd never heard the the podcast so i was like okay well i'm really interested i'm gonna go check out the podcast and i i binge listened until i ran out of uh <laughs> podcast <laughs> well I, i'm glad you know that that was a really fun interview uh and cory actually he just he lives up the road from me probably by 30 minutes um, and, um, he, he's a real good guy. And, um, and he was, um, as I said, you probably listened to the, um, the full cast reunion for rise of the Mormagill. And, um, I, I gave him lots of love and credit in, in that, um, interview just because it's true. Like Corey, what he's done with, with his university and his Institute, um, and just sort of in creating a community of people who are just willing to you know, to talk to some random guy on the internet who has a podcast, like, um, he, he's really done amazing things. And, um, I can see why you were searching for his podcast, uh, but I'm glad you found my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Um, all right. So, um, I think we've, we've, uh, the next question I was going to ask is about other podcasts that you listen to, um, other than adventure zone, which is awesome. Um, uh, Liam, what are some of the other podcasts you listen to? Um, I don't really listen to any that consistently besides uh, Inglorian Bastards. Um, I do listen to, there's another D&D one called the Realms of Upador that I listen to off and on. Um, that's pretty enjoyable. And I'll listen to Tolkien Professor every once in a while, but besides that, I'm just not really listening to that much podcast. Well, I, we are, we're all about love around here. This is, um, um, so I will put anything you guys mentioned, I'll put links to them in the, in the description and, Maybe we can uh, we can get people listening to other folks' this podcast. What about you, B? Um, yeah, it's, I'm kind of with uh, with Liam there. I don't really listen to podcasts that consistently. Um, I'm bounced by a couple of true crime ones because it fascinates me, but beyond that, not much, honestly. Yeah. Well, I've, I'm feeling very special here. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, okay. Well, we won't, we won't dwell on those, on that question. So let's go to the next question, which is, um, I, I I'm curious that you, you're probably at different points in the campaign or in the podcast. Um, f for us, we're, um, we're, we're just into sort of trials of the Valar, which is part three. Uh, and I know Liam has been powering through them, but I don't think he's quite caught up yet. Liam, where, where exactly are you in, in, um, uh, rise of the Mormagill? Um, as of right now, I'm I'm on that interview with Riken, so I, I think that's eighty five, eighty six. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, it's shortly after the the meeting with the the Teller and the elves. Oh yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. So this question will set us up for um, some of the, the later questions, which are, you know, favorite characters, favorite interview. Um, what about you, B? Where are, are you fully caught up? Are you, are you sort of um, listening as they come out at this point? Uh, I was listening as they come out, but then I was like, I was really sad when I would run out. So I'm sort of saving them. Uh, <laughs> I, I listen on my way to and from work sometimes. I'm actually at the, the Forges of Aule right now. Oh, very good. Yes. So some really important things happen there. I, I don't want to ruin it, um, but um, this is also going to be... Um, you know, tied into, uh, Mithras and, and, um, the golden book. And, um, and, uh, there's a sword that sort of comes into play in that episode too, I believe. Um, so yeah, that, that's a fun one. Um, let's see here. So we'll go right into the next question. then. um, now that we know where you are, uh, Liam, do you have a favorite character? That's a Short answer, not really, because I like all of them so much in different ways. Um, as far as, I feel like it's, pro it's probably not a, uni a unique view. But as far as character development goes, definitely Riken. Um, <laughs> just his character development has been wild from the get-go. And he's poor guy. He, he's, um, yeah, totally. Um, we have a, um, you, you're not there yet, but we have an, uh, an interview with Verlin Flieger, uh, the Tolkien scholar, and 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 we talk a little bit about that. Um, she's written some books of uh, essays and that, that talk about um, one of them in particular was around the wounds of Frodo Baggins, um, and and sort of what happens to him after he goes home, and then later to the to the Undying Land, and and we paralleled that with with that of Riken. Um, so you have that to look forward to coming up. Um, and I think I cut you off. Were, were you you said short answer Riken? Is there um, was there a part two to that? I also really like uh, Tessero and uh, um, just because he's, um, I feel like he plays the, the Hobbit very well. He's kind of aloof. Um, just, terribly, just aloof. terribly aloof. Terribly <laughs> aloof. Yes. Uh, and, um, and actually, um, between you, me, and the world um, now, uh, um, Max's character, he, he plays Tessero. Um, he, he's, um, he, he thinks so deeply. Um, he, he doesn't sort of pay attention in between, but he, he thinks so deeply when it's his turn. He does a lot of, uh, um, and I, he, he's the one character, the one player, I should say that I have to edit most because <laughs> there's just, there's just a lot of that filler, you know, conversation. Um, all right. Well, we'll be, what about you? Do you have a favorite character? Oh man, I'm I'm kind of with Liam on this one. Um, Riken has a fantastic uh, character development. Um, I also think that is it Josh who plays him. Yeah, Josh. Yep. Yeah. I th I think he does a really good job. Like, yeah, he he is, stays so true to his character. It's absolutely admirable. Um, so you got to tell him that for me. Maybe he listens. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I will definitely tell him. And um, he's actually, um, he, he lives very close to me. We have kids the same age, and, and that's actually how we met. Um, and Josh is actually a video game designer. Um, and so he, he very much gets into the character and gets into the story and, and will stay true to that. You're absolutely right. Oh, that makes perfect sense. Um, I also, I like Vic uh, and his uh, Okrin. Yes, yeah. I think I think he is a delight. Um, 
<laughs> he's he's a bit um, how how should we say not politically correct um, <laughs> to put it mildly, but it's refreshing. Okay, well, you know, I I I do my best um, to. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've not had to do a lot of editing, but, um, but there have been some, some places that I have cut out things that, um, uh, might be offensive to some people. I, you know, it's, it's hard to tell We're we're, we're dealing with the internet here. I, I figure just, uh, by me being on the internet, I'm, I'm offending somebody. Um, but uh, you know, we, um, he, he is a very fun character and he also stays true to his character. Yeah, he really does. And, um, I don't know. I love them all so much though. Uh, having followed them through all of their trial, trials, like, and, and also Tessero. Yeah. I really like him too. And uh, yeah. Well, um, B, you might be angry with me here very soon. Um, I'm not sure if you've made it to, well, it sounds like you haven't made it to episode. Um, uh, it's either 104 or 105, but um, don't hate me around 104. Okay. That's all I can say. Okay. <laughs> well, let me check how far I am at so I can, I can tell when I, have to decide whether or not to hate you. Okay. I, all right. Uh, all right. Let's go to the next question. Um, so, favorite interview now. Um, so, the interviews for me is um, they, they just make this, right? There's, you know, there's a lot of time spent sort of editing and, and uploading. And um, and I have the process down at this point after 100 episodes um, or, or so. Um, but but for me, it's all about the interviews. It's all about talking to people like you, talking to Tolkien scholars, um, and and I and I honestly I didn't realize I enjoyed it as much as I do, and I um, and I look forward to all of these. Um, and, and I, you know, in, in um, the last full cast reunion that we did for Rise of the Mormon Guild, they asked me, um, you know, hey, what was your favorite interview? And I and I tried to answer that in that interview, or in that in that episode but but i'm curious what what are your favorite interviews and 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 obviously this will be influenced by how far you are in the podcast liam let's start with you it's probably it's probably the one with the talking professor honestly um it's just so fun to listen to you to you talk honestly both of you talk together and uh yeah see you bounce ideas off of them and honestly it was just refreshing (laughs) Well, I, I tried to I tried to let people know ahead of time, even with with Fiona and um, Paul Strack, um, the the, the Cinderin and uh, Quinya uh, experts that I brought on. I tried to tell them ahead of time. Look, you know, just because I'm running these ideas by you doesn't mean that I don't want you to like rip them apart because I kind of do, right? Like I've already I already know that I've made a lot of mistakes, um, and and I actually lay that out in, in rise of the Mormon guilt. Some of those, um, that, that last interview that I did. Um, but, but, you know, what's really fun about Corey is that he kind of went on that ride with me, you know, like he, he really kind of embraced talking about Durant's March and, and the nature of the Avatari, um, probably more than, you know, I've, I've tried to play this game with, with several people. Um, and I, but I think, I think Corey really kind of went on that ride with me more than anybody else. B, what, what about you? Do you have a favorite interview? Ooh, James Tauber. Oh, really? Yes. Um, I studied, uh, I actually, I studied English. And uh, when I did my master's, I had this uh, seminar with a professor about digital humanities, which really fascinated me. And then hearing about digital philology, which makes more sense. It's very similar. So it kind of reminded me of a very pleasant professor that I had. <laughs> um, and it, it sort of, uh, it, it just clicked with me. Yeah. 
Well, um, you know, kind of the way these these interviews have have come about. Like we we did the Quint, you know, the Quinya and the Cinder, and um, and then James kind of just fit right in there. I, I, I he wasn't on my radar until I went to uh, New England Moot here. Um, so so I, you know. Corey said, Hey, you should come to this moot. So, so I came and, and I heard James speak and I thought this guy, this is perfect. And, and just the way he kind of flowed in right after the language experts, um, fit in perfectly. And let me tell you that guy, that guy is, um, I think I called him a Renaissance man on that. And he, he's, mm-hmm. he so is, um, but he, he was, he was so humbled and, um, and like surprised to be asked. <laughs> It seemed like it, you know, but, um, but, but really he, he fit right in with all of these other, um, these, you know, world renowned people. Um, and, um, and he actually did a, another interview here recently on the Tolkien experience podcast, which is really good. Um, so if, if, if my listeners haven't heard that, they should go there and check that out. Liam, I think you've, li- did you listen to that? Yeah, I did. Um, okay. Well, well, let's see, let's go on. Um, I, I guess, uh, I have, really two more questions for you. One is, is, is more of like going to be your chance to ask me a question. But so the last real question I have for you is, um, uh, tell us if this podcast has inspired you, um, at all to, to either pick up Tolkien again, or in the cases of some of my players, what they say is, uh, actually I had to put down Tolkien for a while, um, <laughs> after this, um, or, or, or play more Dungeons and Dragons. And, and if you could sort of go into like, um, how so, if, if so, um, yeah, that would be great. What about you, Liam? Um, definitely, um, with more Tolkien for sure. Um, it kind of comes and goes. It's like, it like ebbs and flows with how much I am into him and getting into his works. Um, it was kind of more of like, uh, at the same time. So when I started watching the podcast, I was reading through the unfinished tales and, I, that, that was perfect. I decided to, um, to from there though, to go in, I read book one of fellowship of the ring. I didn't, I haven't quite got to book two yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, but it really got me into Tolkien's other stuff. Um, I finally finished reading his Beowulf translation. Oh, very good. And I'm not quite through Sir Gowan and the green Knight, Um, but yeah, I, 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 I really like to, every once in a while immerse myself in Tolkien's works um, just because he's a, he was so well influential in a lot of ways, but um, I probably wouldn't be going too far to say that he was a genius um, with his fantasy works, but also in his scholarly works. Um, But I audited a class from Signum um, so I could get more of that. It's a philology through Tolkien and that's also been really helpful and enlightening. So, well, I, you know, I think uh, you're amongst friends here, so calling Tolkien a genius, it, it, I certainly wouldn't argue with you. Um, Me neither. And, and I think, um, y- you know, you're, you have something really to look forward to, and I think you'll really enjoy Verlin's. Uh, I, I, we did a two-part uh, interview with Verlin Flieger to kick off Trials of the Valar, so that's episodes 101 and 102, um, and, and we talk about some of those um, sort of non-Middle Earth Tolkien works that, that you brought up. Um, specifically his, um, some of his unfinished time travel stories, um, and, um, some of his letters, um, and, and, um, well, on fairy stories, of course. Um, but we, we, we talk about some of these other things, um, and, and sort of, you know, as you know, Tolkien never really let go of something. Like if he started it, 
you know, 20 years ago. He just, he kept trying and, and, and the, the stories might've kept evolving and, but, but he sort of brought all of these ideas, you know, it, in some ways it kind of reminds me of like what Stephen King has done. Right. You know, and I don't know if you've read any Stephen King, but like, you know, he's, he's, um, he's, he lives in Maine um, and, and all of his stories sort of take place up there. Right. Like you got Castle Rock and you got one story that refers to the rabid dog, right. Which was obviously Cujo and, and sort of, he's, he's sort of in all of his works, he's, he's sort of connecting things and bringing ideas, you know, back. Um, and um, I love him for that. Um, all right. Well, let's see here. B, um, what about you? Are you, um, have you been inspired to play more D and D or, or pick up Tolkien? Yeah, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just finished rereading the Lord of the Rings again, um, a couple months ago while I was listening to the podcast. Um, and then the podcast also, you know, I missed D and D, um, and I haven't played any fourth or fifth edition really to speak of, but I went and picked up the Adventures in Middle Earth uh, core rule books and started planning a campaign for my friends. So I have my husband in the campaign, uh, my best friend, and then three people that I don't really know. That's great. And Did you? Yeah. Are they locals or are you playing online? Uh, no, they're locals. So we gather at our apartment like uh, once a week. And, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's actually, it's really fun. Well, I, I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to this getting out there and I hope, I hope that the, the, your answers and, and, um, sort of talking about how you came to the podcast and what you've enjoyed will help other people, uh, appreciate it, um, as well. So, um, now, now for the fun question. And, and this question is really not a question for me. It's, it's, um, what would you like to know? Uh, ask me something. Um, and I intentionally said, don't tell me your question before the interview, because I kind of, I like to be surprised. Um, so Liam, um, if you have, I said, bring two questions, but you know, if you, if you just have one, that's just fine. Let's see. All right. I'll start with a, a really easy one, or maybe hopefully it's easy. Um, if you had to go on a, like a cross-country trip, who would you take and why? And you have three options. So you got Aragorn, Gandalf, or Samwise. Oh, man. Cross-country in the United States? Um, yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> and you said Gandalf, Samwise, and who was the other? Aragorn. Ooh. Hmm. Well, I guess um, if, um, if I was hiking, probably uh, uh, Aragorn. Um, I think he would be he would be great to, to have in the wild and, um, and I enjoy his singing. Uh, so, uh, so, so probably Aragorn. And if we were just, if we were just like hiking cross, like if we were doing the Appalachian trail or something, um, otherwise, um, honestly, I, I probably Samwise. Um, I just think he'd be, you know, he's, he's funny. He's, um, I think he'd be uh, he'd be great to travel with. You know, I wouldn't be getting lectured from Gandalf. Um, uh, I, I don't know. Is that the right answer? <laughs> it's all opinion, right? Do you I, like Samwise too? <laughs> uh, you know, I, what I what I enjoy most about Samwise is his enthusiasm. You know, his um, his positivity and um, as you know, he was so excited to see the elves. Right? Um, he, you know, he he he's been. He just was. He was always in Frodo's camp. Like, I just, I really like that, you know. In, in some ways, I think he was one of the most important characters in, in The Lord of the Rings. Um, so, all right, B, what about you? 
my question is a lot more technical. Uh, so as a DM, how much planning do you put into each session and how much room for the characters or the, the players to just kind of unfold do you leave? Yeah, that's, that's, um, I, I think, um, it's funny that you say that because I, I really struggled with, with all of those things that you just talked about in, in, in all three parts. Um, and I'll tell you why some of which I think we've talked about over the last hundred episodes or so. Um, so we, um, we were on a very set timeline. Um, so we did, um, you know, we may have, well, I think this is episode 112. So, but that's, that's not really how it worked for us. The, the way we played was, um, we did, you know, three hour sessions on Sunday nights, um, and each, each part, right. So, um, uh, uh Search for Tole Arisea was 10 episodes uh, or 10 sessions uh, where we got together. So about 30 hours. Uh, Rise in the Mormagill was 10. Trials of the Valar was 10. I, I'm, I was very like, um, for me, I needed it very structured. Um, we were getting ready to have our third child. Um, and so I, I kind of, you know, was that, that played into it as well. Um, and so in doing that in being very, like very structured, um, and having to get the players from point A to point B, um, uh, you know, I, I think I, I had to prepare a lot. Um, but I also didn't give the players enough leeway, um, when it, when it came to being like, you know what, I think, um, we're, we're going to take this detour. Um, I, I, you know, what I try to do uh, more and more throughout the campaign is is let them, you know, give them options. Like uh, in in the world of education, which is what I work in, um, he, they call it acceptable alternatives, right? Like you you give kids like you give them two two alternatives, and you sort of let them pick, and and both are acceptable, right? Like. Um, but I, but I had to know from week to week what I was preparing. Um, and I spent a lot of time, um, you know, looking at the maps, um, and, and making sure that each location had a particular feel. Like I, I, I think back to the, if you, if you guys sort of in music class and like second grade, if you remember the, um, Peter and the Wolf, that, that is kind of the classic thing that, that you listen to in, in grade school, where it's like every character has an instrument. Right, so every character has a particular feel um, when you're listening to Peter and the Wolf. Um, I tried to do the same thing with with uh, the campaign, where each map had, you know, like um, if if it was Numenorian related, um, a lot of my maps ended up having, um, you know, the white trees on them, um, mm -hmm. uh, and so so like under Orthanc, there's you know when they were checking out the catacombs those maps had the white trees on them when um when in trials of the valar they go to to mental tarma um and i won't tell you who they encounter there but um they encounter somebody there those maps have the same sort of motif um and and i tried to do the same with music although you can't hear it as much because i've tried to uh gate that out in the podcast um so I did spend a fair amount of time, like I always made sure the, the maps were facing the right direction, north, south, east, and west, because I, as you travel, as the characters traveled across country, I wanted them to, to get a sense of where, what direction they were going. Um, because so, you know, fantasy for me is so much about uh, geography and maps. 
Um, you know, when I read to my daughter at night, when we're reading, you know, we just finished The Hobbit and we're, we're on fellowship now, right around, um, we actually they just left Brie. Um, I pull up Karen Wynn Fonstad's Atlas and, and we're, you know, we study those. Um, and, and when I, you know, when I interview someone like Ted, the artist, we, we, you know, I pull up his artwork and I'm like, oh, see, this is, you know, see, look at, look at how the pictures have changed over time. Like he's done two of these Balrogs or two of these Gondolins, you know, um, so you know, visually, um, it was super important for me to get that right in the campaign. Did, that makes perfect sense. Did, did that answer your question? Yeah, I mean, like, it, it's uh, it's like with uh, with Tolkien's work, it's very visual. So, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Great, great. Yeah. Uh, um, all right, let's go back to Liam. All right, so um, as far as Tolkien's works go, I've always loved the sense of humanity you get from some of the characters or just in just in the whole thing um but specifically portrayed through some of the characters um and i really enjoy his gray characters and i always thought the argument that Tolkien's world was black and white good versus evil and it was kind of moot because that just writes out all of the the gray characters like Gollum or Smeagol or whatever and Boromir and even Isildur or really anyone like uh, Bilbo and Frodo are not 100% perfect or a lot of the dwarves. Um, and so I just wanted to know what your thoughts were on that. Yeah, well, this this sounds very similar to a conversation that I had with my brother. Um, he's a Star Wars fanatic and, um, and you know, we we've had lengthy long conversations and arguments about gray jedis and and the nature of the force right like is it all does does it have to just be you know light or dark and i and i always say no absolutely not and and um and i think he's kind of come around on that he, he's much more versed at star wars than i am um but but just the 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 philosophy of of something like that i think the same is true for any sort of high fantasy right like like star wars and tolkien they were it was it was epic, right? And it was epic fantasy where you're you're talking about the the, the good and the evil. Um, so so it's easy to sort of be pulled into one of those camps and into into want to like put characters into one of those camps. But um, as Verlin Flieger said when, when when we talked, like you know, Tolkien was really writing about us. He was writing about people. He was he was um, he was writing. Um, realism um, sort of disguised with dragons and um, little you know creatures like Gollum um, but but he was writing about us and I think you know there are nuances to all of these characters um, and 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 you know I think you've heard me say several times that my favorite character was Turin and and I, I think no one sort of personifies uh, you know, gray, if, if that's the way you want to call it more than Turin, right? Like he was, he was a great hero. I mean, he's, he's gonna, in the dagger daggereth, he is, he's, you know, named as, um, you know, they, they essentially give him a spot amongst the Valar, right? At the, if you, you know, I know it's not canon, but, but if you're, that's, that's how Tolkien thought of, of, um, of Turin, but at the same time, he, he killed his best friend, you know, accidentally, but he still, you know, it, it, people around him just seemed to die. Mim the dwarf died, right? Like his, his we, we could go into his sister um, if you want to, but, but like, I, I think, um, I think the world is full of gray. Um, and I, and I think it's, um, and I think that's what makes it great. I couldn't agree more with that. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, B. Um, you have another question for me? I don't, actually. I just had that one question, and now I'm, like, sitting here, like, oh, my God, there's so much more that I could think of to... That was the overriding one inside my head. Spoken like a like a, a true DM. I mean, those are the those are the things we wrestle with, right? Like trying to trying to create great experiences for our characters, and um, you know, um, trying to balance life and with with like this imaginary world that you're that you're trying to to make. I mean, it really it occupies a lot of my time. I, I also commute to work. Um, I commute about three hours a day. And, um, so I spend a good deal of that three hours every day thinking about the worlds, you know, um, we just, mm -hmm. we just finished another D and D campaign called Symbian revival. And I'm, I'm hoping to, um, podcast it, not like this, but more in story form. Um, because it was a really, um, I, I put a lot, I, I read like 14 novels, um, about Symbia. Yeah. I, so, so I spend a lot of time thinking about the, the, you know, fantasy and, and, and sort of, creating a, a, a realistic, um, uh, although that's ironic, but a realistic environment for my players. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, Liam, um, let's do, um, if you have one more that you'd like to ask, um, and then we can bring this, we can wrap this up. Um, and, uh, I'll let you get back to your, to your families and your lives. Um, Liam, you have one more question for me? Um, I do. You kind of answered it as far as the, the Symbian revival thing go. I was going to ask after the Trials of the Valar um, what your plans were and if you had any specific Tolkien plans, uh, related plans rather. Well, for, for me, as far as Tolkien goes, um, I actually have most of my um, upcoming interviews recorded at this point. Um, uh, there may be a few that come up, um, but for me, it's hard to see past my trip to England. Um, right, right now. And I'm, I'm really excited for that. And I think it's going to be very cool um, for the, for the people that are listening who normally listen on, on something like Spotify or, or Apple um, or some other um, audio only format, you're going to want to tune into these uh, because they're going to be, I'm going to record all of the places, um, places where, you know, Tolkien grew up places where Tolkien uh, was in and around the time of the war, um, places that Tolkien honeymooned, um, right? And, and Tolkien himself would say that this trip is, um, that I shouldn't have done this trip because, you know, knowing about him doesn't help me understand his his stories. I mean, I think those were his words exactly. But but I, um, I for me, that's not how I operate. When I, when I love something or someone, I, I want to just immerse myself in it. Um, and, and so, um, I, it helps me understand kind of his inspiration for some of these things, even, even if it's not accurate. And, uh, uh I haven't decided how I'm going to air them, whether I'm going to go in the order that I am experiencing them or go chronologically in, in terms of Tolkien's life. Um, but, um, I'm thinking I'll start with Oxford probably. Um, so, so I hope everybody enjoys that. But to, to further answer your question, Liam, um, yeah, we ju I just wrapped up Symbian Revival, which uh, takes place in Symbia, which was um, is in the world of uh, Forgotten Realms. Um, and, um, you know, it, it was left kind of open for DMs. Uh, it was like the, I referred to it, I think, as the Dungeon Master's Playground, where, you know, you have some novels that are set there. Um, but for the most part, um, it's just, it's um, where, where you have like the sword coats that's, that's super flushed out. Um, you know, the far west, or I'm sorry, the far east in Sembia was left kind of just like, 
you have a little bit of history, but that you can kind of weave your in, your own story in. Um, my particular D and D um, uh, Symbian revival campaign that, that hopefully will come out soon takes place after the novel uh, Got the Godborn. Um, and so, so if, if people are interested in, if, if you, if you're listening to this and you're finishing the Inglorian Bastards campaign and, and you, uh, sort of want to get ready for, um, the Symbian revival story, that's hopefully going to come out on this podcast soon. Um, definitely take a look at, um, uh, Paul S. Kemp, uh, I believe I'm getting his name correctly. He, he did a few trilogies about Erevis Kale um, and the Uskevrin family in Selgant. Um, and those are really, really uh, well done. Um, and um, they're all available on Audible. Um, I'm not getting paid by Audible, but um, that's how I consume my stuff when I'm commuting. Um, and, and outside of that, I think I'm actually going to play some Dungeons & Dragons. I have a I have an, an Avarial Elf that I'm that I'm working on um, now. Uh, somebody else is going to DM for me, <laughs> and uh, and we're we're going to play in the world of Greyhawk. So um, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to playing because you know I, I'm not the best DM. I'm, I I will be the first one to admit that. I'm all about story, um, and um, you know everything else kind of just falls off. Uh, mechanics falls off. Um, you know, um, and, and sometimes. Um, I just like to play. I just like to get into the characters, you know? I think the playing of D&D and the podcast in general or um, is a great way to exercise imagination or maybe as Tolkien might put it, um, uh, with sub-creation. Um, or how, I mean, basically uh, the entirety of Unfairy Stories. And I think you would um, approve of you immersing yourself um, in things to understand it better and to to get the feeling um of well of stories that you can um create to be a part of his worlds um and even with if that's in Symbia, which is set in forgotten realms um i'm more of a cormier fan myself yeah yeah but, <laughs> and i i haven't read i haven't read um the godborn but i have read the adversary and the herald so maybe i'll get give the godborn a try well, the the Godborn um, would be the last one. So the there's um, the the way they do it's interesting. Um, I forget the name of the the first book, but the the first book is a collection of short stories, which which introduces you, introduces you to the Escaverin family. So the 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 family patriarch, uh, the two brothers, the daughter, and one chapter about Erevis Kale, who is the butler. And um, so that that's kind of like a I was like, what the heck am I reading? Right? Like I don't it didn't really flush out any one particular story, but the next like seven novels pick up where the short story left off on each of the characters. Um, and so, so you really get to know Sembia, especially Selgant, um, and you get to know the Uskeverin family. And then like, as you're getting really interested in the, um, uh, Erevis Kale, the, the butler, suddenly he has two more trilogies about Erevis Kale and, um, and then the Godborn, which was supposed to be part of another trilogy, but um, I don't think Wizards of the Coast um, has made that happen yet. Um, but I definitely recommend it. I'll have to check it out. <laughs> well, you guys, thank you so much for coming. Um, anything else you want to, you want to say uh, to the listeners or to me before we, before we depart? Thanks for allowing me to come here. Yeah. Thank you, man. All right. Well, well I, I hope you guys continue to listen and, and continue to enjoy. And I'm sure I will talk to you online. Thank you. Thank you.
Though this marks the end of the episode, the road goes ever on. Until next time, join us at longwinded.one and consider giving us a review on Apple Music, Spotify, or really whichever platform you choose.